Uh, good day, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Tuesday Night Live, brought to you by Crowcast, of course. Lots of news around the club and lots of things to talk around about, not only at the Crows, but also around the AFL. So without any further ado, why don't we just crack straight into it, shall we? Good evening and welcome to another edition of Tuesday Night Live, this wonderful balmy Tuesday. I don't think it's balmy at all, Peter. I don't actually know what I'm saying. How are you going? Pretty well, mate. Yourself? Oh, well, clearly I'm a little confused. <laughs> uh, so I need... it's, it's starting on time. That's what's done you, isn't it? Starting it's on time. St- actually starting early. I just want to mark this occasion that we've started early, um, which is... Probably what the Crows need to do with their uh, 2022 pre-season, I reckon. (laughs) Oh, dear. Yeah. Um, Shout out to everyone who's joined us on Discord. We've probably uh, shocked a few people and they're hurrying, scurrying to their devices to get on board on Discord. Welcome also to everyone who's joined us on YouTube. We appreciate everyone who's joined us live. Don't forget, we are interactive. So if you are on Discord and you want to have something to say... Uh, get around us on the live studio audience there, stick your hand up and we'll get you on for a bit of a say. Peter, as we always do on Tuesday night, what do you think about the weekend? Uh, well, I can only um, actually come on the second half. I had a, uh, a junior game that went a little bit late and ended up in the uh, the Edinburgh Hotel uh, for a, <laughs> uh, a little bit of time. And so yeah. I ended up only scooting home for the, the second half. Um, but uh, look, there were some quite promising signs, apart from the fact, obviously, we, we fell apart in the last couple of minutes. But mm. um, there was a couple of performances I was encouraged by. I was really quite encouraged by Strawny's performance in the ruck. I, I don't know how he went in the first half, but in the second half, um, he looked to me to be, you know, um, a, a fair player, given the fact of the opposition that he was up against. So I, I thought he had a good game. And I thought it was probably Ned McHenry's best game for yes. the club. I thought that he um, he was able to yep, he was able to really find some some ball and um so I thought he he did well and I think that if he can just, you know, get his production going in that way, then um, you know, he'll he'll become a, an increasingly effective player. Question um, without notice, Peter, just quickly yep, before we, while we're talking about Ned. Uh, we discussed briefly on Sunday night um, the value of maybe running Ned through the midfield a little bit. Now, he's done that in the twos. Do you see any sort of role for him, even on a part-time basis, uh, in the uh, in the in the firsts? Absolutely no question about it. I mean, really, they're just, yep. you know, he has a massive engine and they're just sort of wasting that a bit at the moment, I think. A little bit, yeah. It leads into... Um, there's one player that I was going to talk about, but I'll, I'll leave him to the side just for the moment. Seems we've hit this part of what I was going to bring up. Sorry. And have you have you seen the CBA statistics from? Yes. Um, yeah. Just horrific and yes, yeah, and uh, it, le- it leads into uh, what you were saying about Ned. And 
the fact that, you know, here we are, second last game against Melbourne, and, mm. you know, we've got, um, you know, the three amigos with their, you know, just dominating the centre bounces. Yep. And the only person that can get even half a look in is, is Harry Schonberg. They seem to have, he seems to have passed some kind of survivor test at training and they're, <laughs> um, they're happy to have him in their little, their little setup. Well, he had but to bash just, Nix's doors down to do it. Well, yeah, that's right. I cannot, I cannot understand how we, you know, in a developing side, how we can, you know, be denying on a week to week basis, denying. And I reckon if you extrapolated those figures out for the year, they'd be horrific reading. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And yet we do silly things like uh, in the in the previous round. I remember them at a at a crunch time in the Port game. Um, I reckon it was with about two or three minutes to go, um, they chuck Riley Tilthorpe into the ruck. You know, and it's like, well, okay, it's good that Riley's getting a little run in the ruck, but really, three minutes to go in a game that, like, we're we're trying to hang on? I mean, they might might have been trying to lose it, maybe. And no disrespect oh, to Riley, because I think he's, he's a more than serviceable ruckman. But it was just so counterintuitive. You, you leave those senior guys in the midfield rotations all game, and then you chuck a young ruckman in there <laughs> at the last minute. Well, they did the same thing as if you recall, they did the same thing for Ronan O'Connor. Yeah, um, yeah. Now, was that was that Fremantle? I can't remember which game that was yeah, now, but it was a been. winnable game. Yeah, it could. That have was. Been. I tell you, it was, it was. It was Collingwood. It was the Collingwood game, and yeah. you know that was a that was down to the wire, <laughs> and they had they they just stuck Ronan O'Connor. Yeah. Um, in the uh, the centre bounce for the last in the last two or three minutes of the game, where it was just as you like yeah uh, and of course he just didn't 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 do that but anyway um i just I, I don't understand that and i don't understand if they're going to be developing players and they've you know they've got to get guys running through that that midfield and experiencing that you know that center bounce situation even if only on a part-time basis in my view i mean ned there's nothing wrong with ned i mean there were i think what was there collectively there was 28 center bounces from memory I think Sloney yep. attended, and I'm going off memory, we did cover this on Sunday night, but I think Sloney attended 25 or something. Um, ben Keyes was there for over 23, I think. Led was there for all bar about three, I think. Uh, and mm-hmm. Harry attended, I think, 16 or 18 or something like that. And that was it, basically. That was it. Yeah. Um, you know, mental. I, I just... Um, I don't, um, I don't understand it either. Uh, I don't understand why what the value of uh, selecting a guy like Tom Lynch is over Lucky Gallant. Um, you know, I keep rabbiting yep. on about that, but and but it's worthwhile rabbiting on about it because we were saying this, we were lamenting the same thing about Braden Cook um, for at least a month before his debut, and yes, he had a quieter game on the weekend, but he still shows class when he's around the agate and. Uh, you just wonder the value of four or five games at AFL level, and now you know he's hopefully he stays in the team for the last game, but he could have had an extra four or five games and just really got a feel for it. Yeah. So look, I'm, um, I'm anyway, look, the, the player that I had to set aside that I was going to talk to you about, who I thought looked pretty good to me, was was Benny Davis. Now, yes. What, what are your thoughts? Where, where, where do we go with him? Because I thought he looked pretty competent. Um, in the time that I that I saw him there, how did how did you see his game? 
Well, I think he looked more than competent. I think he looked composed, and he had something that was very valuable coming out of that back half, Peter, and that was excellent foot skills. <clears throat> yep. He made good decisions, and he disposed of the ball well, and uh, at times quite aggressively. And uh, a lot of people on various footy forums and whatnot say, oh, Benny Davis has been on the list for five years. He should be more, you know, blah, blah, blah. Let's not forget that he spent a fair amount of time on the injury list during those five years. And he also spent a fair amount of time backed up within the Crows, you know, continuity mantra of the Pike years. And let's not also forget that he spent a lot of time in the Crows twos as a forward. And it's not easy being a forward in the Adelaide Crows SANFL team. Um, so here's my here's, if you want my actual view and this will piss a lot of people off I think there's more value with putting Brody Smith on the trade table and keeping Ben Davis as a running half back than there is keeping Brody Smith on the list and delisting uh, Ben Davis that's my, yep. that's my view yeah look I, I can't disagree with that because you you know um You'd have to be looking at a second rounder for Brody, even at his age. Yep, um, definitely. And and Ben Davis, you could you could relegate him to the rookie list and have him on minimum chips. Yep, and he could probably fill exactly, you know pretty much the role that Brody's filling at the moment. Yep, uh, and let's face it, uh, and I'm not being critical of Brody because he is a very good player down back. Um, yep, but he's not an accurate short kick. His value is in clearing the decks and clearing a line um, with those long darts. You know, um, he's not—he's not a very good spot up. He'll rarely go for the short diagonal. Um, yep. So um, Ben Davis and also Chase Jones offer something a little bit different because they are Chase Jones is another who I'm really impressed with, even though he was a little bit quieter on the weekend. But his his decision making has improved. Um, yep. And both he and Davis showed the ability to make good decisions under pressure and execute by foot under pressure as well. So, you know, I worry about the fact that the AFL have come out and announced that they're not increasing list sizes, which might put the squeeze on Ben Davis. But I wouldn't be averse at all to testing the trade uh, market with Brody Smith and keeping Ben on the yep. list. Yeah, no, he... Um, I, I thought he was... Uh Pretty impressive. Um, I thought uh, Darcy Fogarty. I mean, I you know, as I said, I only saw the second half, but he looked um, in pretty good nick. I think he took seven or eight marks. So seven, uh, seven marks. goals. Yep. Uh, so would... uh, that's a good game from Darcy. Well, it was a text game, Pete. Um, I don't know whether you saw the uh, the lace out that he gave Shane McAdam. I think that might have been in the second quarter, so you might have missed it. Um, yep. But it, his. Darcy's game was very Texan-like and I I put it to people on Sunday night that if Tex Walker finished the game with 12 posies, 7 marks, I think... uh, No, 7 contested marks? No, 7 marks, I think 5 contested and 3 goals won, you would be more than happy with that return from Tex Walker, right? And that's that's what we got from Darcy, plus... We got a, a bit of presence around the ball in the forward line, um, a little physical uh, presence from Darcy, and it was a four-quarter effort. I actually think it was Darcy's best game for Adelaide in in an overall sense. Yeah. So look, I think that some you know some good performances, um, and um, 
The other, um, on the opposite end of the scale, um, Jake Kelly had a difficult day, I think, although I, I really don't think the last couple of goals were much his fault. No, but, he also um, he copped a whack in the back of the head too in the second quarter, Pete, which you probably missed. Yep. And was I think he might have got some staples and was probably a bit woozy, even though he obviously passed concussion protocols. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a it was one of those bloke going up for a mark and the knee straight in the back of the scone, um, yep. which aren't aren't good. So I look, I wasn't overly impressed with Jake's game, but I'm I'm willing to give him a pass on that basis. <coughs> yeah, and especially the last. I mean, I know Fritz kicked seven, but. Those last two or three that he got in quick succession, that was just uh, some diabolical midfield work in the centre square. Oh, we were clearly, allowing, um, clearly rushing back to quarantine, I think. <laughs> we left early. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, that's, uh, that's my, uh, you know, as I say each and every week, um, Fane, you know, you can look at that game and you can see some positives. I mean, I, when I started watching, we got ourselves to within a goal and I thought we were playing some, you know, really quite good football and, yep. and there was some really, you know, some good, individual performances and I think importantly you know running through some of those good individual performances you know we got we got some um, decent input from the younger brigade I, I you know I think that some of the you know, there's no doubt that um the Rory's uh, you know have kept us in you know in games in terms of their possessions and things yeah yeah but um I don't think that they didn't look to me to be overly influential not really. Uh, Sloaney had probably the best game he's had for a while. Um, yep. Rory Laird did what Rory Laird does. Benny Keys, I think, has been down a little bit in the second half of the year. I'm pretty comfortable he's carrying something. Um, yep. So, you know, it was serviceable, but you're coming up against two genuine stars in Oliver and Petrarca. It looked like right. Schomburg at times was running with Petrarca, and I felt like Petrarca didn't have the influence he might have. So... Um, you know, whether that's hats off to Harry, uh, it was a bit, I think Harry had 18 touches himself and Petrarca was, certainly wasn't dominant. Um, yeah. but you know, it, it shows that the gulf between our midfield and, and some of the other teams, when you're talking about the, the, the gold plated stuff that comes out of Melbourne or comes out of Western Bulldogs, it just shows you what we actually need. We've got a very workmanlike midfield and that's about the best you can describe it with. And nobody rotating through. You know, just not enough players rotating through. So hopefully that's something that they'll address. I'm sure it's something they'll address over the preseason. Um, I, uh, I've been critical of Chase Jones and absolutely agree with you. He's been a revelation. He's kicking um, and his attack has been fantastic. So a real shout out to the way he's turned his game around. And, you know, he looks to me now that if he can carry that confidence into the pre-season, then um, hopefully we can see him push up into the midfield and, and be the player that we thought he would be. Saved his career, Peter. Mm. He has saved his career. It's a credit to the kid. Yeah, absolutely. Because he no looked question about completely it. lost this time last year. Mm. Utterly lost. Yeah. So yep. um, good good on him. Um, and he and Ben Davis at various stages rotated through Cosy Pickett, and Cosy Pickett really didn't have much of an influence on the game at all. So uh, that's down, uh, at least in some part, to the efforts of those two. So uh, good stuff. Um, could you see any worth in playing Tommy Lynch instead of uh, Gallant? Or for that matter, Shane McAdam instead of Gallant? Oh, I just was quite 
astonished that Gallant didn't play. I, they'd had a ripper, you know, but they've done it all year, Fane, where guys are, you know, are in really good form, but they just don't seem to want to pick them. And Gallant, uh, four goals. And then I noticed on the weekend, in a really difficult game against a tough top side, he's, you know, and he hasn't seen a lot of the football and he still managed to scratch out three goals. Yep. So, you know, he, um, he is in ripping form in the twos and, um, you know, um, even if he just gets a, a taste on the weekend, that would be something. It's a shame that they're not going to give him two or three games in a row now. But just a, just a taste would be yeah. good. And unsigned. Yeah, it's, that's a, a very, very bizarre. Yeah. Um, unsigned. I mean, that, they need to make a, a call on him um, because, you know, we need, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, we, we, we don't have a reliable marking third tool. That's we right. We do need that. Yep, hundred percent. We need someone like 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 a Mitch Georgiadis that Port have got running around. Yep. Um and you know, either either sign Lockie or draft Morgs. That's that's my in end of in solution. Agreed. One of those two. Yep. Now, uh, uh, just uh, segueing into injuries, uh, Himmelberg obviously did his hamstring, so that's him out for the season. What are your thoughts on his future at Adelaide? Do you see him being retained or maybe used as some sort of in some sort of trade scenario? I got a funny feeling they'll retain him, Fane. Mm. Just because they've put a lot of development into him, they've signed him on a they, they've offered him a two year deal at the start. Was at the end of last year? Yeah. Um, I think that he's in their future plans, and um, I just think that they will increasingly. Um, Riley won't be anchored to that goal square kind of position. Yeah, and I think that I think that they've. Um, I think Elliot will continue to try and avoid, they'll, try, they'll try and continue to develop him in that second rut kind of forward yep. position. Yep. So, um, so I think you know, no. I think that I think they'll keep Elliot. Yeah, you know, I was thinking a little bit more about our conversation last week about the configuration of the forward line with Himmelberg, Thilthorpe, and and Fogarty. And it got me thinking a little bit further, um, assuming Rolly O'Brien retains the number one spot. Rolly O'Brien isn't bad overhead, and his goal kicking is improved sufficiently uh, that you'd probably back him in 50% of the time, I guess. So there's a real opportunity to actually rotate three Ruckman uh, through Ruck yeah. and forward, um, which would be yeah. because both Riley and Elliot are more than competent in the Ruck. And uh, Riley O'Brien is very, very good overhead. Um, and I think that's actually a very interesting thing that, uh, or interesting setup that the Crows should explore because uh, not many teams would be able to have that sort of setup. No, and where it works, of course, is that, as we talked about before, you've got Riley who can do other things on the ground, and, mm-hmm. and even Elliot is very competent once the ball hits the deck. So yep. they've got those those skills that they can add. Yep. And let's not forget, we had we got quite a few games out of a bloke called Matty Robin who rarely bloody marked the ball, do you remember? And yet our win-loss yep. ratio when Matty Robin was playing was uh, was ridiculous. We won so many, uh, such a high percentage of games when Matty Robin was playing just because of the way that we structured up around him. And Himmelberg yeah, exactly. could... Himmelberg could almost be a similar type of player where he's never going to be the big clunker, although at times he can take them. But it's yep. just his, his positioning is good and, like you say, he's good at ground level like Matthew Robin was. 
Um, so you never know. Never know. Uh, I think he's got a certain visibility to him that mm. will that will keep him on the list. You know, for another to see out at least see out his contract. Yep. 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 Uh, now we haven't heard of uh, any more delisting, so let's talk quickly about uh, Tommy Lynch and Daniel Talia, both a little disappointed, um, but understanding of the Crows' position. Do we see a home for either of those two going forward? I think that if you look, if we look at Tom first, I think that he would definitely find a home. I think the question for him is going to be whether he wants a home. Mm. So he's got. I think he expressed, you know, he's got young children. He's settled in Adelaide. I think Adelaide's his home. Fine. I think that I'd be very, very surprised if there wasn't some coaching, um, you know, uh, offer in the background. I think that he would just have to be. They would just have to be. You know, he and his family would just have to be working through the numbers um, of what would inevitably, inevitably be a far reduced salary in moving yeah. to coaching. Yeah. Um, than, than being a player, but you know. Um, I, I I can't I, personally, and I think I said this the other week. I, I can't yeah. see him leaving the city. I think he's settled, um, and I think that that's it now. I think he'll just stay, and the club will offer him something. Um, I don't think that'll be that'll be an issue. As yeah. far as DT though, um, I'm not sure whether there has been as much um, as many murmurings around coaching positions for him and what no. his future looks like but uh i think that the, and you know but i guess in the end Fane, it just boils down to i don't think i don't think that either of these two guys would be you know in desperate need of the cash i think it's fairly well known dt's you know into, into his property and i think yep. he's made pretty good decisions over a long period of time on big money um and so i, I think that they would be looking at what, what lifestyle options they've got it Again, he's got kids as well. It would be a surprise to me if he, you know, lands somewhere up like Gold Coast or something like that just to play yeah. an extra year or two to squeeze out an extra, you know, a few hundred K. I, you know, I mean, I, I could be wrong. Um, I'm, I'm just guessing at their personal circumstances. But they're just, yeah. I don't know, that's just my gut feel. Yeah. I, I guess I'm pretty much the same, although I'm probably a little bit more inclined to think Tom might go for a couple more years. Um, because he'd yep. probably get two years at three fifty a year, somewhere like Carlton or you know somewhere like that in Melbourne, and uh, that seven hundred k is is probably you know four hundred k more than he'd get in those two years in a coaching role in AFLW or as a development coach. So yep. though that might be a, a lure that gets gets another more. A couple more years out of his contract, but uh, out of his career. But uh, like you, I similarly wouldn't be surprised if both of them pull up stumps. I think that I don't think there's any question the offers will be out there. Yeah, I think that provided they're fit, there'll be a team that in a need that will have a need for 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 for, for DT and for uh, for Lynch. There's no question in my mind that they yeah. could go around again and be effective players for certain clubs. Yeah. So just a, 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 a side-eye question. Um, remember last year or a couple of years ago when we played Daniel Talia through injury? I think it was last year. Um, yep, yeah, it was last year when we just kept playing him and he was obviously injured and obviously injured and kept playing him. And uh, as a consequence, he hasn't been able to get on the park this year. Um, again, we had a... Like, it's, that's... Is his early retirement, assuming that's the case, is that on us? Is that on poor player management? 
there would certainly be a certain amount of responsibility for the club, but I'd also put a bit of responsibility on him as well as a senior player. Yeah. Who is, is, he has a, a, a well-earned reputation for uh, keeping himself, you know, and managing his body. Yeah. Um, um, you know, if if he's going to the coach every week and saying, yep, I can play, and mm. bear in mind, as I said, he's a senior player, so he'd be a player, he's an automatic selection. Mm. So it's not him. It's not him saying, "Oh, you know, if I, I'm, I better better put my hand up for those, I'm going to lose my spot." He's not a first year player. Yeah, um, he's got to take some responsibility as well for, for for making himself available for selection. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with that. Um, they do employ nine hundred thirty eight thousand sports scientists around the place that would have a fair amount of data as well. That you know, and the reason I say this is because again, we've we've seen Rory Sloan run around all year. Obviously, not in my opinion, looking a hundred percent fit. And um, given the circumstances of the season, um, and you know the rise of Harry Schomburg and and uh, you know Ned McHenry and one or two others, again, it just makes you wonder whether we're running these guys into the ground simply because it's the Scott Thompson syndrome. You know, you try telling these guys they're not playing this week. Exactly. And, yeah, at what point uh, do, you, do you sort of have to take that, you know, and that's where, you know, it's dual responsibility because a club mm. also has a responsibility to say, well, you know, at what point do, do we pull the pin on this and say, you know what, we're just not, you're not playing because, you, A, we're not getting best performance out of you. Yeah. Um, and, B, for the longer term, you know, future of you as a player of our club, it's just not sensible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that this is where the problem can occur, particularly with the older players, when they, you know, if they've got certain games triggers in their contracts, and they need to, yes. you know, make sure they play twelve games to trigger this bonus and that bonus and all the rest yep. of it. Yeah, all of those things come into it, and of course they're gonna, you know, they're gonna keep playing. Yeah, it's it's a problem with those uh, those games played clauses because it can come back to bite you. Um, but that's, yep. I think, where you've got to be able to have a strong medical team and, and you know, sports science team to, to have enough data to be able to say to blokes like Rory Sloan, look, your output is not significant enough for us to warrant, you know, selecting you, um, yep. you know, contract be damned sort of thing. Yeah. Um, all right, just uh, running through the rest of the injury list just quickly. Of course, Smithers uh, is and Will Hamill are both on concussion protocols. You would expect to see Smith back if he's right, although the feedback that I've heard around the traps is that he hasn't bounced back as well as Will Hamill has. Um, And the rest of the seasons, Himmelberg with his hamstring, O'Brien with his knee, Pedler with his ankle, Crouch with his groin, Talia obviously, uh, Jack Hately. See, there's another one, Peter. Yeah. Reportedly uh, yes. carrying groins all year. What, what the that? hell is the point of playing him in the twos when the kid is obviously running? And we were wondering. Remember earlier in the season, he didn't look to have any power. He was very one paced, etc., etc., etc. All the hallmarks of carrying groin or OP or whatever. And I think, I think I might have even wondered about his status OP wise at one stage. Um, and here we are, and now he's going to go in and have surgery. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I, I just couldn't. When I read that, I just couldn't believe it. Yeah. Just, that's, a, that's a classic example. I mean, you could, you could argue that Matt Crouch has been a bit, handled a little bit similarly. 
Uh, Luke Brown with his Achilles, obviously. There's another bloke that probably could have uh, rested in play instead of playing a couple of games between being out with that Achilles. Yep. Uh, and then Hinge and Miller, obviously. Uh, I, I'm also, as NT Rowett talks about, Brody Smith and probably his fourth concussion. I, I'm really worried about the both of them. So Brody Smith and Will Hamill, neither of them should be back for this game, regardless of how they have bounced back or pull up. Um, both should be, you know, put away. Yeah. Um, they've both had issues with concussion. So yeah, a bit of conjecture on chat about where Tex is at the moment, whether he's in Broken Hill or not. I'd be very surprised if he's in Broken Hill, considering that they're in lockdown at the moment. And we've got a hard border against Broken Hill because they found COVID in the water. Surprised. So I don't, I yeah. don't think he's in bloody. Uh, in Broken Hill. If he is in Broken Hill, he's not come back to the club anytime soon. <laughs> no, supposedly, he's coming back. It's been reported. So, no, that would be, that wouldn't make any sense at all. Yeah. All right. Um, and yes, Yippee Whippy, we were talking about Haightley with uh, Grind. Um, all right. Now, Peter, um, I think we would be remiss if we didn't take a moment to honour the. 350 games of a club favourite who unfortunately for reasons unknown hasn't ended his career at Adelaide but um, what an absolute champion Eddie Betts has been over the course of 350 games and how privileged were we to uh, be able to have front row seats for at least half of that Uh, Absolutely no question about it Uh, just a joyous player and some of the some of the memories that I've got of being at Adelaide Oval with him playing um, some astonishing football, and I think we were really lucky. I think I think we had the best of his career. Agreed. Here. I think that he was uh, in the in, you know in the form of his life, um, and for I mean you know for a few of those I mean it was almost back to the old Modra days, wasn't it? For a few oh, years, hundred percent in town. Yeah, he was the absolutely big in town, and um, yeah, he gave us a lot of joy. So yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, congratulations to him, and and um, he, I'm, I've you know, got no doubt in my mind, Fane, that he would always be a, a favourite son and welcome back at the Adelaide Football Club whenever he wanted. And I hope he feels that. I, I hope he, uh, I mean, you know, it's been a bit back and forth with him about, you know, I'm a Carlton boy, I'm an Adelaide boy, I'm a Carlton boy sort of thing. But I hope that the club does everything in its power to make sure that Eddie feels welcome um, and he hasn't played 200 games for Adelaide, so he doesn't qualify for life membership, Peter. But surely somewhere in our constitution, there's room to um, to honour him with honorary life membership, surely. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and I, and I who, think who, he deserves it. Who would worry about that? Yeah. Who would, who would oppose that, really? Uh, ab- absolutely. Uh, I mean, he's got, he should have a. Well, he has got unofficially a pocket named after him, um, and I think that the the guy has earned Adelaide so much money in terms of ticket yep. sales and engagement, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, that the least they can do is honour him with uh, life membership. So I hope that is a consideration, and I might even fire off an email on behalf of Crowcast to. Uh, to the footy club just to stick that in their heads just in case they haven't thought about it. Um, Do it, mate. Of course, we've also got uh, in the AFL, uh, we've got uh, the situation with Al Clarkson deciding to go out with a bang. <laughs> Don't you love the fact that he's not? he won't drop a game 
after he got the shaft, he's just gone, all right, Jeff, I'll show you. And he's cost him about four draft draft spots. Yep, he said, sorry, I'm not going to, uh, no, no more tanking for you. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Uh, do, you see, do you see him at Collingwood or Carlton, Pete? Uh, no, I don't. I think that he, yeah, I mean, if, if, it, if the media's to be believed, and of course, how often have they misled us? But, you know, it seems very, very firm and very clear that he's taking next year off. Mm. Um, so a bit of gardening leave, I think, and uh, and then reassess his options the following year. And it may well be that, you know, there's maybe a club that he fancies that, um, you know, there's a coach under contract um, and, uh, you know, who knows what's going on behind the scenes. But my gut feel is that we won't see him coaching next year. Yeah. Um, I, I, here's, here's my opinion. Uh, how long has David T got to go on his contract? I reckon he's got another year officially. Yep. I reckon their review will come back saying we'll uh, give Teague um, half a season to see if he can turn it around, and uh, yep. they'll have Clarkson on on speed dial. That's that's my opinion. If Teague gets retained, I'd almost guarantee that Clarkson will end up a Carlton. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, uh, Ross Lyons uh, back in the chat about the Collingwood position. Uh, I think that's almost inevitable that Ross Lyon will get the Collingwood job because they just want a, a big name. Yeah. Don Pike was being talked about as uh, getting close to that one. I don't is that, see is it. Is he a big enough name? Probably not. I, I don't see it. Um, he doesn't seem like the type for Collingwood. Mm-hmm. And I'm not basing that on anything other than just my own probably flawed intuition. But I, I just don't see it as a good fit. And I think he's actually embedded himself quite well into the Sydney system. Um, yeah, and Longmire is not going to be there forever. So uh, whether mm-hmm. Donny's uh, next... Anyway, I don't see uh, Harvey uh, getting the nod uh, from Caretaker. I don't, I don't think he's actually done enough. And he no. seems a very unassuming, quiet, almost uh, introverted type. Um, doesn't actually strike me as head coach material, Pete. Mm. But, no, you know, I think that's probably I don't think there'll be a lot of coach in a general sense. I don't think there'll be a lot of movement of coaches at the end yeah. of this year. Yeah. Um, the only one that I could think may be under pressure would be Stewie Jew. Yeah. Um, up at Gold Coast. Um, Teague obviously is under a bit of pressure, but he's got another year to run in the contract. Whether they, as you say, they might, they might just give him half a year next year. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I, you, know, you could run down them, and I think that most of them are right. Most teams have either had seasons that they would expect to have um, in terms of the, the lower positions, and they've already taken action, i.e., Collingwood. Um, or um, yeah. What about Adam Simpson? Because yeah. uh, West I'm Coast sure aren't going to make the eight. No, I don't know what his contractual situation is with, with Simo. The difficulty they've got there is that he's a premiership coach. Now, they, you know, very difficult to sack a premiership coach, isn't it? Yeah. Even, even though it's 20, it's, he, probably, he probably gets a go at, at some kind of rebuild if that's what they need. Al Clarkson was a premiership coach. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, obviously, uh, yeah, I can't think of too many. I can't think of any others, really. Stewie Jew, I reckon, will continue up at Gold Coast simply because 
they can't afford any more bloody turnover there, I don't think. Um, look, they had a bit of a patch um, either side of the buy where, where they actually didn't look too bad. Um, they actually they need more... They're in a similar position to us in some ways because I don't think they have that the right age profile in that squad. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just think maybe a couple more years if they can hold that squad together and, you know, they've had a couple of re-signings and whatnot. They might actually lift a bit, but... Uh, yeah, who'd, who'd want to play that? The problem for me is that they seem to being is that they, they seem to be trapped in an endless cycle of the of the AFL stuff their pockets full of young, you know, brilliant yeah. players. Yeah. They spend three years developing them and then four years developing them and then when they get to the point where they could be a good team, they yeah. all go back to Yeah. Well you know, Ben King's gonna be, be the one. The, he'll he'll be the one that'll go. Uh you know, there's talk of I mean, Lacocious Rankin. I mean, you know, yep. they're Rankin in particular has had quite a bit of smoke around him. Yep. Um, so, you know, coming back here, so it, it just seems to be an inevitable cycle that they can't break. Yeah. Well, let's segue then into a few whispers, um, and we'll start off with Isaac um, because there has been a bit of smoke around. Uh, and Luco as well uh, apparently bought an investment property in Grange and which sent tongues wagging if, unless people realise that his whole fucking family lives in Grange. Henley Grange, so it's not as if he's it's foreign territory for him. Um, would you? Well, all right, Lucocious first. Um, would you sacrifice any picks to get Jack back this year, next year? Next year? Well, when does he this, come a free agent? This, I think it's next year. Or no, he's not a free agent. He comes off contract at the end of next year. I think. I think it's a year after there's a free agent, isn't it? Six years. Yeah. Restricted. Or maybe yeah. the year after that. Yeah. So, uh, look, both of them are, are valuable players. I think that the way that their careers have developed, I, I, I have a funny feeling that Isaac got is going to end up with the highest ceiling. Mm. I think he's the one that hasn't really got out of himself what, you know, what we could really see. We, I think you could really see a, a real sort of... Um, Put a team on your back, all Australian. I think he, I think he has that ceiling if you could get his mind right, if yeah. you could get his body right, all of those things. I think what's happened in the last couple of few years, Fain, is that Jack's become a little bit more exposed, just in terms of the fact he's been playing football. Yeah. And I think that we're not seeing him develop into the key forward that he was drafted as. And what we're seeing is him being, you know, a very, very effective distributor out of defence or yeah. a tall wing. Yeah. Now, so you've got to actually ask yourself, right? Well, how much do you want to pay for a for a for a you know for a wing? Um, and I'm not discre- I'm not playing down that position, mm. but I think he's going to. It doesn't look to me as though he's going to develop into a to a key forward. He, I think he's going to end up being, you know, what he is. I mean, he's played fifty games now. Yeah. And um, so I'm just not. Quite, I mean, you'd love to have him at the right price, but I'm just not sure you'd break the bank. And and whether you just leave it for a couple of years and and say, look, you know, whenever you're ready to come home as a free agent, then you know you're going to be 25, um, and and we'll we'll pay a salary. Isaac, I think, is a little bit different. I don't think we've seen his ceiling. My, my thoughts on Rankin is that I think he needs a crowd. Yeah. I, I think he. 
I think he needs the energy and I think he needs a crowd and he's a bit of a, not a show pony, but you know what I mean, a showman, let's call it, I guess. And uh, I don't think the environment up in, in Gold Coast really is conducive to him getting the best out of himself. Now, you can argue that players should be professional and perform anywhere and yada, 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 and that's all very true. But sometimes players need a bit of a push and a bit of motivation, a bit of energy around them to actually you know, get that extra 10%. Uh, I wouldn't be comfortable play, paying a first-rounder for Isaac particularly given yep. what he's produced this year. But I reckon if you could get something around a second rounder with Isaac Rankin, you'd strongly consider it. Um, as far as Lukosius is concerned, I'm probably a little bit more bullish about Jack than you are. Um, your comments just then. I, I think he's still got something to offer uh, either as a... Um, a running wingman or a, maybe a third forward, um, yep. Pete. Um, but again, it, it comes back down to price, doesn't it? Is that the price you want to pay? You know, how how much is his draft ranking going to play into what Gold Coast is going to want for him? And is that the price that you're willing to play for a, a player in that position? And I'm not sure it yep. is. And that's my concern. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon Rankin's I think price he, might be more palatable. Yeah, it might be, and even even you know maybe a, some you know exchange of picks somewhere along the way, even just a slight downgrade in the pick or, or something like yeah. that. Maybe I don't, I don't know. I mean, if if, if the way that the draft is looking, you know, if we end up with, you know, I don't know, if we end up being two picks ahead. Let's say they get, let's say we lose, they get they get four, we get two. Yeah. Let's say that North Melbourne grab Horn. Let's say that we, are, you know, we're not particularly enamoured with someone like a Callaghan, yeah, um, because his connections in in Melbourne. Yeah. And then if you if you you know if you're throwing a blanket over the next half a dozen mids, you know, maybe we're in a position and you know where we where Gold Coast might be interested in you know swapping our firsts and a little bit of the business at the back end and say, well, you know, will, will Isaac be part of that? I don't know. That's just mm. something that... But that's assuming, yeah, I, I mean, point in the chat, we probably won't even have pick two. I, I kind of fancy us this weekend. I think we'll probably win. Could end up with pick four, thing. Yeah, well, I, well, here's something for you then, because uh, I'm, to be honest with you, I don't think there's actually a lot of difference between us getting two and four. In the first round, at no, least. Obviously, it hurts you a little bit in the in in the second and third round. But in terms of the first round, I think it's Jason Horn, and then, like you said, uh, there's a bit of a flight risk with Callahan, and um, I'm not quite sure what's coming out of the West, but there doesn't seem to be anyone bobbing up at the at the very peak of the draft from there. You could probably argue that Matty Roberts is the next best-ranked South Australian, but given his season and exposed form, and and he's probably suffered from a lack of exposure at a carnival, I reckon yep. Matty Roberts might slip down to between five and eight. Oh, uh, I, think he, I think, yep, that's why it's looking at the moment. Yeah. So, so if we've if we've got say say we've got you know. Let's say we've got four, for example. Do you do you reach for for Matty Roberts, or do you try and split that pick? 
I, I think you, you you go and split the pit. That's my and thoughts too. And I actually am starting to wonder whether there was some uh, discussions with uh, Jason Horn uh, during the course of the year that made us actually cool on the number one slot, which then kind mm. of made it less important for us to finish, you know, bottom two. Yeah, quite possible. Um, you know, that's, I, I this is all fanciful. That's not based on anything. It's just you know trying to draw, you know, join the dots. Yeah, and I think that there's. I mean, the difficulty is, is, is again, again, the um, the genius system is going to be affected by COVID. So this will be yeah. another COVID affected draft. Yeah, and so you know it's going to be very, very difficult, and you're going to end up again. There'll be a blanket thrown over about. You could throw a blank a blanket over probably three to fifteen, to be yeah. perfectly honest. Yeah, the way that I've looked at it. Um, and so um, I think it's it probably ends up being unless you've got one, it ends up being one of those, you know, Raoul Anderson years where yeah, you sort of think unless you're going unless you're getting one of those two or the top one, then yeah, we're going to just um, yeah. Well, so no one and, and, you know, they always say, you know, you take the best available talent with your first round pick. Well, I don't think it's that sort of a year this year. I think it's, I, and particularly the situation the Crows are in list-wise and what our specific needs are, uh, you'd absolutely throw your toys out of the pram if, for example, we drafted a bloody centre-half back, <laughs> you know. Oh. So then, well, there's, one, there's one there. So let's let's keep our fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> so then, then you think to yourself, all right, well, then you've got to be strategic. You know, you've got to within that uh, list of players that you could throw a blanket over. You um, you think to yourself, all right, well, who, who's the kid that we want that is going to provide us potentially with, you know, the outside silk or the, you know, if you're not sold on Lockie Gallant, you know, the the marking third forward or. You know, something like that. I think our needs list-wise are actually quite specific this year. Um, and I have to say that I don't know whether Matty Roberts is that need. Um, uh, and it's not that I don't rate Roberts as a player, um, but I'm just not quite sure that he's... he's. I don't, I don't think picking Matty Roberts is getting maybe the best for what we want out of this year's draft. How, how do you see that? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a, a fair point. And I think, though, I, I wonder, though, and it probably leads into just something we, we were going to have a little chat about, yeah. and that was that South-North game. Yeah, on the smash into it now and, if you've got time, mate. Yeah, no, I've got time. So it's a really, it was a really, really important game to watch. I think I'm not sure if any of our listeners had a chance to see the South North game, but the three boys played together. Three close mates had the chance to play league football together, which was great. Yep. But I thought what you really, um, let's just put Jason aside because he actually didn't have a very good game anyway. Not really. Although you could still see the talent. Yeah. So I think that what it was, it was interesting what you saw in terms if you, you know, if the, if you were putting yourself in a position to take. Both Matt and Arlo, you saw the difference that you get with the two players. They're nothing like each other, are they? Nothing no. Like each other. No. And the thing of it is, Arlo comes at you with a second rounder. Don't and you think? I, I, no, he won't. I, I think that that just even that performance on Saturday um, will get the tongues wagging. He he just looked so good. 
didn't he? He uh, yeah. he was clean. His disposal was immaculate. He actually he actually reminded me a lot of Robbie Gray. The way that he just seems yeah. to have that rubber body. Yeah, fair um, fair comparison actually. And he he has got such a ceiling because he played as a high half forward, and um, just his the way that he. I mean, it's his first game. His first yeah. game of league football. He had, yeah, he had twelve possessions, um, and um, he just. And a, and a really nice tidy goal as well. He just found space with with ease, and he just used the ball so well. And yeah. and what we didn't see from Arlo is what he can do, and and um, uh, is that he has got some real tricks around the stoppage. Yeah. So because he was playing that high half forward role, yeah. we didn't see him in the midfield. Yeah. So he's that. More, he 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 says a great real thing was what you saw with Matt is you know much more workmanlike. Yeah. Um, just makes the right decisions, and yeah. Matt, you know Matt's not. He, I'll, you know, as much as I've talked him up, Fane, I'm I'm here to hand on heart. He's not an attractive player to watch in so many respects, um, he, but but he's just um, he's just got engine room written all over him, and he just gets hold of the ball all the time. Like he's he had, Simon Goodwin, isn't he? <laughs> he had twenty possessions and seven inside fifties. Yeah, and look quiet. And look quiet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, um, he, look, he didn't use the ball as well as he normally would. He looked a bit rushed a couple of times, and um, and he played in the wing. And yeah, look, there are very, they're very very different styles. And uh, look, you know, both close mates, uh, good for you know the locker room, and both hard edged close fans. Yep. Both big close those two boys, and so you. What you'd get, what you get if you split your pick is you'd get some really good um, an inside grunt with a magnificent, you know, cannon of a left foot. Yeah. You'd also get that player that's a little bit more special, which is which is Arlo. Yeah. And I must admit, mm. uh, Arlo, Arlo Draper really, uh, he's the one for me. If we could, if I don't really. Well, I do care, obviously, who we take in the draft, but I, I will be very excited if we uh, draft that kid. And of course, you can never predict a career, um, yep. but like you say, you can you can see innate t- uh, talent, and it just seems to me that Arlo has that innate little bit of X factor, little bit of X factor, just something about him. And uh, it took him a while to work into that game on the weekend, uh, but in the second half in particular, you started to see some stuff. Uh, that just made, like you said, made you just sit up and take notice. Interesting. I heard him interviewed through the week, and interesting little uh, uh, fun fact that Arlo actually gave football away between the ages of eleven and fourteen. Yeah, so I didn't all, hear all that. that time, all that, all that critical time in development. He didn't. Even, he preferred tennis. So he didn't yeah, even have there the you go. Um, and then the three of them got together at actually at under fourteen level. That was when they first played together. Jason, yeah. Uh, Arlo and Matt, and so they're three really good close mates, and um, they've been they've had all of those experiences all the way along. So, yeah, anyway, look, um, who knows whether we look at that and say, yeah, you know what, from a a player, you know, from actually getting a really good settled team lineup, you know, because I I do feel that there is this, you know, focus on the South Australian boys at the moment. We do seem to be heading that direction. Yeah, um, and I just they look at that and say, look, here's two close mates, two Crows fans, one is you know has that Robbie Gray you know outside sort of you know a little bit of magic as you say yeah and then we've got this other we've got this other blue collar workman 
it will just get us you know 30 possessions every way yeah yeah and use it pretty I don't well know. And, and use it very well so i don't know yeah, whether they got the balls to do it um, remains to be seen. Uh, I noticed someone earlier on the chat was saying that Matt Randall reckons that Benuk's got the got the chop at Adelaide. Um, I hadn't heard that. Anyway, uh, no, haven't heard that one. Um, so, so interesting times. Obviously, uh, Crowcast as we were last year and previous years will be all over it at the end of the season. That's when the fun begins for the Crowcast during. Uh, down times at, at Adelaide, so uh, we'll, uh, Pete will uh, certainly have a bit of a, uh, a list review uh, in the off-season and uh, leading up to the trade week, etc. Um, and Shane, I'll, uh, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be fully, as you will be, I'll be fully expecting our listeners to be all across, particularly the South Australian boys, so they should know them all. Yep, and, absolutely. Uh, yep. Yep. All right, well, look, uh, it doesn't look like anyone wants to have a chat with us tonight, Peter, so uh, we might wrap it up there. Um, thanks to everyone who's joined us on Discord tonight and uh, also on YouTube, some uh, familiar faces and also a couple of new new ones uh, uh, there on YouTube, so fantastic to see that. Uh, don't forget, game day, get around us on the uh, stadium chat on the Discord server. Uh, if you want to support the Crowcast, go to patreon.com forward slash AFL Crowcast. All your support is very welcome uh thanks peter for joining us once again and uh yep uh and uh, very much so and uh thanks to everyone who's chatted along with us so until sunday night uh stay safe and we'll see you then cheers guys not all